Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. So I want to talk to you about faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Before I get started, let me just say that yesterday I was celebrating my 12-year anniversary. I mean, I know I look 25, but yeah, I've been married 12 years. <laughs> and God's been so good with us. But in the midst of all our celebration and everything, somebody decided to steal our thunder. J- July 20, it had to be July 29, 2000. 17, but our very own Jesus and Valerie got engaged yesterday. I mean, couldn't you guys have picked up another date? You guys got twice as much Facebook likes, and and you guys have negative days married, and I've been building this for 12 years, and but we bless their lives. We honor them, so I was so happy for Valerie and for Jesus. They've been people who've served God tirelessly. They're people worthy of imitating, amen? So we're very happy for them. We send a big shout out, amen? Come on, put your hands together for this amazing power couple. And I think God has brought us here tonight just to make sure that we know something about him. God wants you to make sure you leave here knowing something about God, something specific. God is a lot of things, but today God put in my heart to share about this. And I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. How many of you guys believe the Word of God is the Word of God? (laughs) The Scriptures, the Holy Bible, it's God's Word, and God's Word is powerful. It is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God. I want you to look for somebody close to you and ask them, do you know? What is the writer here wanting us to know for a fact? Look, the God that we serve, the God that you came to worship, he is not a God. He is not one of many gods. He is the only, the great, the almighty God. How many say amen? We have the most powerful person in the universe by our side. And God wants you to know what kind of a God he is. He is a faithful God. And it continues saying, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him 
and keep his commandments. Everybody say he is faithful to keep his promises. I say it time and again. Sometimes we have people that have promised us a lot of things. Raise your hand if you've had people promise you and not abide by those promises. For whatever reason, sometimes it's not because they're bad people. Sometimes people promise things that are out of their control and then something happens and they can't abide by their promise. People sometimes promise to pay their mortgage and then for some reason they lose their job. They can't continue paying their mortgage. It, stuff happens. But one thing is for sure. I want you to save this in your hard drive and make sure you never delete it. God, the God that we serve, he is faithful and keeps his promises and his covenant and mercy for a thousand generation with who? The Bible says, with those who love him, put your arms around somebody and say, with those who love him and those who keep his commandments. If you read later on in the New Testament, you'll see that one of the conditions or how God knows that we love him is by how we keep his commandments. People could come and say, God, I love you. I love you and do everything the opposite of what God says in his word. By definition, you're not loving God because the way we show God that we truly love him is when we take time to see what his word says and we do everything that God tells us to do and we put forth maximum effort to not do the things that he doesn't want us to do. How many say amen? So everybody say, God is faithful to keep his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. So now go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 31, verse 23 and verse 24. And this is King David. David is talking a little bit about what we're talking about, about God's faithfulness. And I want you to pay attention to his words. He says, oh, love the Lord, all you saints. He's talking to us. How many of you guys consider yourself saints? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. The Bible says that you're a saint. Oh, let's try it again. How many of you guys consider yourself a saint? <laughs> looks like somebody's struggling with guilt. The Bible says that we're saints. We've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, not through our own means, but God has sanctified us. So he's saying, love the Lord, all you saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. Now, the same way that God is faithful to us, and we just finished speaking about how God, not like men, he always comes through. He always keeps his promises. He always keeps his covenants. He comes through. When he tells you he's going to do something, sooner or later, he's going to do it. If you remain faithful. But now we're shifting over. And instead of talking just about God's faithfulness to us. Here's King David showing his faithfulness towards God. Because sometimes God is faithful to us. But you know we have problems remaining faithful to God. When all hell starts breaking loose. And we start going through adversities and problems. We start doubting. And we start Allowing the enemy to come into our hearts and say, you know what, this whole church thing, maybe it's not working too well for you. Maybe you should try something else. Our faithfulness, it's being tested. But here King David is saying, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. And he fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. We were just singing about hope. Right? We were singing about putting our hope in the Lord. There's no better person, no better thing to put your hope than in the Lord. You can put your hope in the Dow Jones, and it's higher than ever right now. But you know what? It can go down just like it did in the crisis a few years ago. 
It's uncertain, but God is always certain. It's interesting to know that David writes this when he's going through a time of adversity. Because it's awesome to talk about God's faithfulness when everything's going good, right? We come here and we shout with praise when we just finished getting a raise, right, Brandon? Or, or we God just did something amazing in our lives and we're like, yes, thank you, God. And it's like we shout stronger than ever and, you know, we, we intensify our worship. But when you're going through stuff in life that you can't control, man, that's when we're tested and our faithfulness is tested. So David, understand this, David is writing this in the midst of adversity. And it's in times of adversity that doubts come, that second guesses try to come and strip you from this path of faithfulness. And the idea of giving up starts surfacing. And I'm sure this happened to some of you guys. It's in time of adversity that your future is decided. Because here we are, we're faithful people, we believe in God, but all of a sudden we hit a bump in the road. And our faithfulness is tested. And like Tyler said, when you get tested, you don't hear God anywhere. We talked about this a little while ago. Remember when Isaac was digging up all the wells and these people will come and take the wells on him and, and he wouldn't hear God. God just told him, I'm going to prosper you in the land. But then when all these trials start happening, sometimes all we get is a silence. And, and, and God is just testing us. He's, he's watching us to see if we're really faithful, if we really believe, if we're hanging on to hope. Amen. So it's in those times of adversity that your future is decided. You wouldn't imagine how many people gave up, opened their hearts to doubt when they were in the last bump in the road. I mean, the finish line was right there. They were about to get it, but the last bump, and that's it. They gave up, and they didn't have their faith put in the prize. They didn't have what it takes to be able to continue. So God, I think, is encouraging us to remain faithful in adversity. Maybe there's some people here that are tired of the same situation and, and you're starting to doubt God. You're starting to doubt that God is with you and all these nice things that we come here and, and we shout and we sing about and God is with us and if he is with us, who can be against us? And all of a sudden, it doesn't translate in your life. Getting all these doubts and second guesses, you'd be surprised to know how many people give up. David here is testifying from his personal experience that those who remain faithful, in adversity, the Lord will preserve. But the arrogant, pay attention, the arrogant, which is the proud person, will not see his glory. So everybody say, the Lord preserves the faithful. He preserves them. But the arrogant will not see his glory. So what is he talking about here when he's referring to the arrogant and the proud? Well, when we give up on God, when we lose faith and hope that God will get us through this adversity, it's because we have opted for another plan. Because God's plan, we already know it through the Bible, he's going to see us through. Don't we sing about it? He'll see me through like before. Well, that's what the Bible says. But when you start thinking otherwise, when you start thinking contrary to the word of God, and you start saying, I don't think he's going to see me through this time, you've opted for another plan. And that's none other than your plan. So when it's talking about here about the proud, anytime you think your way is better than God's way, you just shifted from faithful to proud. You just shifted yourself from being faithful to God's promise. I'm going to hang on no matter how hot it gets here, no matter how, you know, how many things come against me. I'm going to hold on to God's promise. God will see you through. But when you don't do that, you become proud. You start, you know, doubting. You start 
giving way to the enemy, to the lies of the enemy. And obviously, you fall short of the promised land. God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8.14, if you're taking notes, do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. So God is saying, look, I have this amazing promised land. And, you know, after 40 years, they finally got in. They started conquering. And he's starting to remind me, hey, 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 wait a second. Don't get so proud that you forget where God took you away from. Remember that all of this was because of God's hand. Everybody say, we got to be careful that we don't become proud in both sense of the word. Proud in the sense that we fail to see what God's promised for our lives and we fall short of where God is taking us or proud to get to a place so high that we say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was me. All my amazing talents and all the qualities that I have that I've accomplished, that I have accomplished. Hmm. On the other hand, David is saying that those who remain faithful in the midst of adversity, God will preserve. Preserve is to maintain something in its original or existing state. It's kind of God telling us if we remain faithful, and faithful is nothing else than full of faith, right? Faithful. You're full of faith. You're full of faith that God's going to bring you out, that he's going to preserve you in that condition that you are. Because sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose. If I serve God, I'm not going to have time for myself. If I spend time serving God, then I, I won't have time to make more money out. And we start thinking that serving God or to come every Sunday without missing one Sunday, unless you're on vacation, we think we're going to lose. And we start putting God all the way in the back shelf. And we come to church when it's convenient or when we don't have nothing else to do. And we don't realize that God should always be first. But when we remain faithful to God, even while stuff is going on in your life, he'll make sure he'll keep you in your original and existing state. In other words, everything else is just going to be noise. If you're faithful, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be times where you don't hear God's voice. There's going to be trials that come. But all it is is noise. It's the devil making a lot of noise around you because God promised that he's going to make sure that he's going to preserve you in your exact condition. Everybody say, I'm not going to lose anything. On the contrary, I'm about winning. Amen? So I was thinking about how I can illustrate this concept of preserving. And for those that don't know, I love to collect cards. Ever since I was 11 years old, I used to collect baseball cards. I used to go to the gas station and they used to send, I know nobody here remembers that because it was back. Well, some people, they used to sell wax packs and they used to bring 15 baseball cards and a stick of gum <laughs> you used to open the pack eat the gum and you had your 15 baseball cards I started collecting since I was 11 and I loved collecting cards and when I as, as I grew older I don't do it so much now but the hobby started getting really expensive because now it's not just collecting the players cards now there's they have signature cards they actually cut off pieces of the logos of game-used jerseys, and they put them in the cards. You could get cards with Babe Ruth's bat, a piece of a bat that he used in a game. I mean, it's, it's gone crazy. And because of that, the hobby has become very expensive. But back in 2003, I heard about this crazy basketball player that he was just tearing it up in high school. He had won the McDonald's All-Star competition dunk, you know, they do every year. And this guy was a monster. And he was coming out in the draft straight from high school into the NBA. And I'm like, 
my gosh, I got to start buying all these. I want to get this guy's first card. The rookie card of a person, rookie means the first year, is the most expensive. So I bought like eight boxes of SPX basketball that year. And as I was opening all the eight boxes, there's like 18 packs per box. So you imagine how many packs I went through. And I was opening all the packs while I was still single. Carly would have uh, thought I was crazy if I would have done this <laughs> being married. But finally, I opened up and I got the card that I wanted. LeBron James, 2003-2004, rookie card autographed. Only 750 cards made. And most of these cards, the 750 cards, they have the part of the jersey, because it has a piece of its jersey, game-worn jersey. It's red. But there's only about 25 to 50 cards that came with the gold part, because it was part of the logo of the Cavaliers uniform. So I got the gold one. So it's even rare. And what I did when I saw that, I went ahead and I sent it to Beckett. Beckett is a company that grade them based on the corners. If the corners are all nice and pointy, the edges, the centering, and the surface. Those are the four things that they rule, and they give it a grade from one to ten. And I sent it, and I got a nine. And when I got it back from Beckett, it came in this hard plastic case that preserves it. I brought the card with me today. Have it in my pocket nice and secure. LeBron James... Rookie card, you can see here it's graded 9. The signature is graded 10. This card is worth about $5,000 right now. If it would have been graded 9.5, it would have been worth $13,000. This is my best card I have right now. Some people are saying, Pastor Jay, why don't you pawn that? <laughs> I was going to say eBay, but that's a thing of the past. All right. Anyhow, when I got this card, it was so valuable to me. That the first thing I thought is, I have to preserve this card. I got to make sure that it doesn't get messed up. So what I, I padded it. I put it in a protector. I send it to Beckett. I put insurance on it. Make sure it doesn't get messed up, right? Just in case. And I sent it. They sent it back. Back then, I think it was only worth about $300 or $400. It was still a good card. But since he's won a lot of championships and, you know, it's gone up. So I preserved the card. So now think about what. David is saying here, when he's talking about the Lord preserves the faithful. And when I thought about preserving, you preserve things that are valuable. <laughs> I mean, come on, I want to preserve the, come on, give me a crappy player's name. I can't think of one. Amario Chalmers. <laughs> sorry. First player that came to my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bill Lane Beer. All right, Bill Lane Beer. <laughs> so I wouldn't preserve that card. But a LeBron James, with everything that happened with Miami and everything, I don't care. He is a good player. So I preserve it. And God's saying that he preserves the faithful. God values people that are faithful. When you're faithful in your tithes, when you're faithful in coming to church and you're not inconsistent, when you're faithful in serving God, even with pain, when you're faithful in being able to help people, even when you're struggling with your own situations, God values that. And the Bible says that God preserves those. doesn't matter what you're going through. The Bible says that God is going to keep you and he's going to maintain you in your original or existing state. Come on, can we give God praise for that? That's the God that we serve. So 
When you remain faithful in trials, faithful in adversity, faithful in the midst of confusion even, there will be a lot of noise around you. The enemy wants you to stray. That's when the enemy wants you to, you know, lose guard, put your hands down, throw in the towel. But that's all there will be because God will preserve the faithful. It's nothing but noise. Come on, tell somebody close to you. It's nothing but noise. Just keep on walking. Don't be deterred. So let me ask you a few questions. I wrote them down last night. Who told you you're going to lose? What voice are you listening to that told you that you're going to lose? Who told you it won't get better? Why are you thinking this way? Because it's definitely not in the Bible. We just finished reading that God preserves you in your original state. And now we're going to talk about what happens after you pass the trial because God doesn't just leave you in your original state. We know that God promotes and blesses. And after your faith is tested, you know, just like Job, he gives you even more. But why do we listen to these voices who told you you're going to lose? Who told you it won't get better? Who convinced you that God's hand will not preserve you? If you're going through something right now that is testing your faith, can I give you some godly advice? You guys allow me? Can I budge into your personal life and just give you some advice that's going to bless you? From the word of God, keep serving God faithfully. Especially if you're going through a season of adversity, serve God like never before. It worked for me. When I was serving the most, when we were just going and installing this whole process of DBH that we're doing right now, it was during the most difficult time in our lives, in my family, with Carly and myself, a lot of things. And you guys heard my testimony about that. But that's when God sees what you're made of. It's not when you come here and everything's going well. Everybody could worship God. Everybody could jump for joy when everything's going the way you want them. But when you don't hear God and and all there is is that faith in God's word inside of you that says, I don't care. Though they slay me, like Job said once, even if they take my life, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that God's going to see me through. I'm not going to lose my integrity. I believe in God. And God wants us to have that, right, that faith. Keep serving God faithfully. If you're going through something right now that's testing your faith, keep reaching out and helping other people in need. Don't stop giving your HOB. No, pastor, just that I'm going through so many things. The perfect time to show God that you believe in his word and that you believe that he is faithful. Amen? Even if your need has not been met yet, continue serving God. Keep getting involved. Take your service or your level of commitment to another level. Why? Because when you're faithful, you know it's just a matter of time before God comes through. It's just a matter of time. Come on, put your hands around somebody close to you and tell them you're going to get through. It's just a matter of time. And God's going to preserve you. You're not going to lose absolutely anything. When you're faithful, God will preserve you and protect you and yours and even your stuff. God's going to preserve my LeBron James. Nobody can take it. <laughs> I want to now jump into King David. If you go to Psalms chapter 101, that entire chapter is a pledge. And I loved it. I read this this week. And it's a pledge of faithfulness to the Lord. He's pledging. And again, amidst adversity, he's pledging to God, I'm going to be faithful all the days of my life. And I want to share it with you guys. It's in Psalms chapter 101. We're going to read. Starting in verse 1, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when 
will you come to me? Notice this is David saying, God, come. I want to I be with you. I want to spend time in your presence. I need you. And then he says something super interesting. He says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. And I was meditating on this last night. And the Holy Spirit ministered to me and showed me that what he meant is that, look, it's easy sometimes to talk the talk. Even as preachers or as leaders, it's easy to read lines off a paper or to read lines off the Bible. But to walk the walk is not always so easy to be an example. And the people that know you best are sometimes the people that are in your house. Because you could, you could put on a mask here in church and you could be a super Christian. But when you go home, you know you put that mask down and everybody in your house knows who you are or who you are not. And I loved what David says here because he says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Where everybody knows, where the closest people know me, I'm going to walk with a perfect heart. Listen to this pledge of God. And I think this is something we should imitate and we should grab a hold with. He's saying, even with those that know me best, I'm going to walk with a perfect heart. In my house, where I can hide stuff. Where you can be different than how you are in church. In the place where I have the freedom to be the real me, you will find that I will walk with a perfect heart. What does that say? What was he telling God? Well, in this generation, perhaps, Lord, I won't visit sites that I'm not supposed to when I'm in my house. I won't talk about my leaders. I won't talk and gossip about people. I won't entertain thoughts about deception and cheating. I won't bring home and keep what is not mine. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart good pledge and he continues saying in verse three i will set nothing wicked before my eyes i hate the work of those who fall away it shall not cling to me a perverse heart shall not depart from me i will not know wickedness what he's trying to say is i'll make sure my vision is unaltered and unveiled because he's saying look those people who fall away those people that are inconsistent those people that allow situations to deter them and keep them from serving God. I won't let them distract me. I'm going to make sure I go all the way. That type of attitude is not going to cling on to me. So I see David saying, look, my vision is not going to be altered. I'm not going to be detained. My vision is not going to be veiled. I'm going to make sure I see where I'm going. I see him saying, I won't let perverse thoughts into my mind. Perverse thoughts into my heart. I'm going to take them captive, as Ephesians says, right? To the will of God. I'll make certain that those who fall away won't drag me down. I will not let the words of the faithless drag me down with them. I will be preserved by God because of my faithfulness to him. How many say amen? amen. And now there's verse 6. I'm going to skip 5. And verse 6, pay attention because this verse, we've used it a lot. We sometimes declare this verse in a way to describe God's eyes and how God sees the faithful but if you realize this is not God speaking to people this is David's pledge so this is King David saying how he sees his people remember King David was the king so he's saying my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land what does that mean when you're faithful the king is going to be able to see you God's going to promote you when you have the fear of God and when you have the right heart it's going to lead you to great people Delante de los grandes, says the Bible, right? So here, what I see 
David is saying, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, and they may dwell with me. You see, David didn't want people that are inconsistent, people that fall through with him. The king wanted the best people, or not, the bravest warriors. He wanted the most trustworthy servants. He wanted to make sure that the people were there are the people with the right heart. This is the king, a guy, a person, just like you and me. He's saying, those are the people that I want dwelling with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. So faithfulness not only preserves you from evil, it takes you before great people and it opens huge doors. How many say amen? Come on, tell somebody close to you, it's worth it to remain faithful to God. In case there's somebody here, even contemplating, saying, man, you know what, maybe I should you know, just chill out with this church thing and become less committed. On the contrary, now's when you got to start being committed to God. You know, if you're not coming as often as you should, start making a commitment to say, God, I'm going to come. And not only am I going to come, I'm going to get involved. I want to use my talents for you. Ed Lewis Cole said, your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. How many of you guys want to be trustworthy when God looks down and say, I could use him? Just like David. David wanted people that were trustworthy, people that were faithful. And God is looking for servants also that he can count on. Amen? So I want to finish up talking about faithful in service. I know there's a lot of people that generously give their time and lovingly serve God. There's reward for that. In Matthew 24... I'm going to read to you this parable, 45 to 51. It starts with a question. And Jesus says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? Now, here the master is God. All right, picture God. He has a household. In a household, there's children. There's a master. And the master has children. And he has servants. And the servants take care of Feeding the children. And look what it says. Whom his master made ruler over his household. So there's the master. There's a servant that that represents us. And there's the people in the household that the servant is going to serve. And he made him ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Now 46 says, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Look, make sure I appointed you to serve food in due season to my kids, to my children. And the master left. And he gave you a huge responsibility. Make sure, God is saying here, blessed is the servant that when the master comes back and he sees, okay, let me see how everything is going in my household. I put you as, you know, as a steward of my house. Let me see what you've been doing. That when he comes back, he finds you doing exactly what he called you to do. Feeding God's children. And God puts a burden on us. It's a light burden. It's not like the burden of sin that was hanging on our shoulders. That was a heavy burden. But God loosened the burden of sin. He made our walk light. But now he puts a burden for other people so that they could experience the freedom and the peace and the joy that only God can give. And God tells us as servants, look, make sure that when I come back for you, you're not just coming to church and listening to a good sermon, but you're actually feeding my household. You're actually feeding my children. Let's go back to 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. 47. 
Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. If you do what God calls you to do, God puts you as ruler over all his goods. There's nothing that you can't have. How many say amen? It's like God, the ruler of the universe, and you're his son. Hey, dad, I need this. But 48 says, if that evil servant says in his heart, hmm, master's taking quite long. I think I'm just going to throw a party in here while I'm at it. And 49 says, and begins to beat his fellow servants. You know, there's something that we could get out of this. You know, when we serve in church, we have to understand that not every person is just like us. And we need to make sure that we respect our fellow servants, that we don't talk about other people or if we see them failing in, in an area, putting them down. Amen? It's talking here about beating fellow servants. And then he says, and to eat and drink with the drunkards. So he was ordered to serve the food to the children to the kids in the household. But this guy's grabbing the food to be able to party with the drunkards. And that's when we use our talents, not in the house of God, not for the glory of God. And we grab the talents that God has given us and we use them for ourselves. We use them to enjoy ourselves and to build our name up and build our empire. And we don't use them for the glory of God. And it says, In verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him or at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those are really tough words, but it gives us perspective of, of God having us blessed with so much. Delivered us, blessed us, healed us, given us a purpose, promised That if we remain faithful, we will be preserved and then promoted when we get to the finish line. And I'm, but what are we going to do with that? Is it just going to be so you can feel good? Or are you going to have a heart and compassion for your generation, for the people that don't know Christ, for the people that are dying, for the people in your neighborhood, the people that you talk to every day, the people that work with you? We have to extend God's love to them. How many say amen? The faithful and wise servant who is still serving when his master returns, will be promoted as a ruler over all his goods. Where are them faithful servants here? Come on, let me see your hands. Let's go. Amen. But the servant that beats the fellow servants, make sure you love your fellow servants. Amen. And eats and drinks with the drunkards. When we use our talents in the wrong places. They will miss out on the promotion. Stand on your feet, JTP Church. I'm closing up. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I have a frame in my living room that we bought about two years ago or a year and a half ago. And I love it. And it's Romans chapter 12, verse 12. The New King James Version says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. My frame is a different version, but basically it says, Joyful in hope. How many have hope here? Well, you have to be joyful in hope because true hope is, it's going to come. I have hope that something's going to change, right? The expectation of things changing should give you joy in your heart. So joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. How many say amen to that? And I want to finish off sharing with you guys some of Steve Jobs' last words. For those that don't know, Steve Jobs was this famous CEO of Apple. 
As a matter of fact, they're building a plant now, a huge plant. I don't remember where, uh, but they're saying that was, that was his last project that he shared before he passed away. And I want you to pay attention to Steve Jobs because most of us use a lot of his quotes. Most of us admired him for everything that he achieved. But I want you to pay attention to this. He said, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, aside from my work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life, I'd realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. In the darkness, I look at the green lights from the life-supporting machines and hear the humming mechanical sounds. I can feel the breath of death drawing closer. Now I know when we have accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to wealth. Something, I'm sorry, should be something that is more important. Perhaps relationships, perhaps art, perhaps a dream for younger days. Non-stop pursuing of wealth will only turn a person into a twisted being, just like me. God gave us the senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I have won in my life, I cannot bring with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. That's the true riches which I will follow you, which will follow you, accompany you, giving you strength and light to go on. Love can travel a thousand miles. Life has no limit. Go where you want to go. Reach the height you want to reach. It's all in your heart and in your hands. What is the most expensive bed in the world? Sick bed, he wrote. You can employ someone to drive the car for you make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost, life. When a person goes into the operating room, he will realize that there is one book that he has yet to finish reading, Book of Healthy Life. Whichever stage in life we are at right now with time, we will face the day when the curtain comes down. And he finished saying, treasure love for your family love for your spouse love for your friends treat yourselves well cherish others and the story counts that his sister was one of the last persons that was with him and he took a a very long look at his sister and then he looked at his children stared for them for a long time and then stared over their shoulders and he left with these three words he just said oh wow Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Three times. I don't know what he saw. And that was the end of Steve Jobs. It's sad that at the end of a life and somebody that we admire so much, he's saying, man, there's, there's so many things that were more important than what I did. And it's like he's giving us advice to not do or not make the same mistakes that he made. The Bible says that when we're faithful to God, God will preserve us. Stop fighting so much. And let God fight for you. You know what? Just, just lay it all down at the cross and, and be faithful. Be fervent in prayer. Be faithful to God. If you're going through adversity, all it is is a test. God's going to preserve you through it. Just be joyful. Don't let that steal your joy. And the same way that God is faithful to us in everything that he's promised, that he is not a man that he should lie, the same way we should be faithful to God in our devotion to him 
right, in our walk with him, that we could make the Satan pledge today that David once did. In my house, I'm going to live upright. I'm not, I'm not going to have two faces. I'm not going to have a mask that I put on when I go to church and say hi to everybody, like everything's fine. And then I go and I just live my own life and not care about what God says. God is looking for faithful people. And when he finds one, he preserves them. He preserves them. How many say amen? I want to do a calling today for people that you want to make a firm commitment to say, God, I want to do a pledge just like David did once. I'm going to be who I am wherever I am. I, I don't want to play church games. I don't want to just come to church and just, you know, have a good time and, and then just live my life. God, I want to deny myself. The Bible says that God's call for our lives is to deny ourselves, to no longer live our lives, but live God's life. And if you do that, God will take care of everything that you need. God says, hey, don't become anxious for anything, for what you're going to eat, for what you're going to wear, for possessions, for, you know, don't, don't go crazy about wealth and, uh, and all these things and building your empire. First seek the kingdom of God. And his, and his righteousness and everything else, God will provide it for you. How many say amen? You could be certain that God will because he is faithful. God is faithful. Come on, somebody say it with me. God is faithful. God is faithful. He'll be faithful in your life, in your circumstance, in whatever you're going through right now, in the things that you haven't told anybody, but you're, you know, you're struggling with inside. God is faithful. Let that word sink in deep into your soul and let it bring peace to know that God knows what you're going through but God is he's not wanting you to slow down on the contrary he's wanting you to serve because that's a sign that you trust God right when we don't trust God we back down we say you know what I'm gonna have to hold on on this I'm gonna have to because God's not gonna provide for me so I'm gonna have to provide for myself no 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 it doesn't work that way trust God serve him there's a lot of young people here in JTP church man deposit your youth in Christ right invest your youth your best years your strongest years and give them to God right give them to God and you'll see how God will protect you how God will preserve you I stand here as a testimony and I'm not a perfect person but I think that a lot of the things that I reap now it's because you know I've I've stayed committed to God and I even though I'm imperfect and I don't want to boast myself but you know I've been in church since I was a kid but one day I had to make a decision and I had to say, look, this is, is this going to be my dad's God or is this going to be my God? And I had to make a decision for God myself because God doesn't have grandchildren. You can't settle for God's relationship with you through another person. God doesn't work that way. I mean, through Jesus, obviously, but personally, he works personally and he tugs at every single person's heart. And, and in the end, it's your decision. You can go ahead and you can live your life and you can come every other Sunday or come once in a while. The Bible says that those who, those who lose their lives for God find life. You see, you'll never experience God's amazing life until you lose your own. And you could, you could play tug of war with God and you can say, okay, God, I'll give you 50, you give me 50. It doesn't work that way. God is waiting for people that will relinquish all that they are and say, God, take over. I'm not in control anymore. And we're control freaks. And that's not easy to do. But when you do it, God comes. 
God starts showing you the way and he'll be faithful to preserve you and he'll promote you and you'll see that life with Christ is better than any other life that you could plan, that you can orchestrate any, any other connection that you can make with any successful person you cannot compare to your connection with God amen so I want to open the altar as we sing this I love this song his name is higher his name is stronger and all those people that want to just be able to come and deny themselves and say God from now on use me in the midst of my adversity I am going to put my trust in you I know that you're faithful I know that you're going to come through I'm sorry God if I've put you to the side or if I've given you a place that you don't deserve but from now on God my heart is changing I am open do with me as you please come to the altar if that's you as we worship